Welcome to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church here in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, visit us on the web at gftnc.org. And now, here's Touched by Grace. And so what I'd like to do is take us through the study of the family of God, both on a natural and a spiritual element. Who are these people? Hmm. The family of God, who are these people? So I'm going to address from a natural and a spiritual perspective the family of God, the history of the family of God, and then, of course, the natural nuances that go along with being part of a family, a biological family, as well as a spiritual family. So it's twofold. But we're going to spend most of our time looking at Genesis. Now, before we get to Genesis, I want to lay a foundation from the book of Ephesians. And you don't have to turn to Ephesians. I'll turn there. And I want to read something to you before we get to Genesis. We'll be right around Genesis 30 or 31. We'll be Genesis 30 or 31. But Ephesians, um, the third chapter, tells us something that I think will be a good foundational scripture for you to go back and consider. Um, the letter to the Ephesians that Paul wrote, and I'm not going to preach most of my, my message from here, it'll be in Genesis, starting at the, um, well, first verse, real quickly, it just simply says, and I'm going to read it from another version, the New Century Version, so you can kind of hear this. Starting at the first verse down to 15, Paul's work on telling the good news encompasses the family of God. So it says in the first verse, so I, Paul, am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. For you who are not Jews... Surely you have heard that God gave me this work to tell you about his grace. He let me know his secret by showing it to me. I have already written a little about this. And if you read what I wrote then, you can see that I truly understand the secret about the Christ. People who lived in other times were not told that secret, but now through the spirit, God has shown that secret to his holy apostles and prophets. Just listen close. This is that secret, that through the good news, those who are not Jews will share with the Jews in God's blessing. They belong to the same body, and they share together in the promise that God made in Jesus Christ. By God's special gift of grace given to me through his power, I became a servant to tell that good news. I am the least important of all of God's people, but God gave me this gift to tell those who are not Jews, the good news about the riches of Christ, which are too great to understand fully. And God gave me the work of telling all people about the plan of his secret, which has been hidden in him since the beginning of time. He is the one who created everything. His purpose was that through the church, all rulers and powers in, heavenly, in the heavenly world will now know God's wisdom, which was so many forms or which has so many forms this agrees with the purpose god has since has had since the beginning of time and he carried it out his plan through jesus christ our lord in christ we can come before god with freedom and without fear we can do this through faith in christ so i ask you not to become discouraged because of the sufferings that i am having for you my sufferings are for your glory 14th verse says this, so I bow in prayer before God from whom every family in heaven and in earth gets its true name. I bow in prayer before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth gets its true name. I ask the Father in his great glory to give to you the power to be strong inwardly through his spirit. 
I pray that Christ will live in your hearts by faith and that your life will be strong in love and built on love. I pray that you and all of God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know, but I pray that you will be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with the fullness of God. I'll stop right there because that's a whole lot of introduction for a scripture that we won't even expound upon. But I'll give you a synopsis of even this charge that I have to talk about the family of God on both of those dimensions, both the natural dimension and the spiritual dimension. He addresses it when he talks to them. He says, I've been called to talk to people who were not Jews to tell them that they have the same privileges of the people of the Jewish culture and the Jewish nations. He was given the charge and the responsibility to go after Gentiles. Look at somebody and ask them, are you a Gentile? What's a Gentile? What's a Gentile? Anybody know? What is a Gentile? A Gentile is someone who is not Jewish. Which means that if you're black, if you're European, if you're Latino, if you're Hispanic, if you're Asian, Chances are you're probably a Gentile by culture. But understand that among the Jewish people, there were blacks, there were Latina, there were Asian, there were European. Those names didn't exist. But the Jewish people of God or the children of God that we find both in the wilderness with Moses as well as in the New Testament with Jesus and all of those followers were made up of an array of people that looked much like this black and white, and from various parts of the world. So it's not confusing to us, but I want to clarify that when we speak of even the Jewish nation or even the people of God from the children of Israel that we know, they weren't just people who looked European with thick noses, big lips, and dark skin, and, 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 and dark hair. Sometimes we end with a British accent. We see those in the movies. No, they were made up of people who looked like us. They were made up of people who looked like us. And that's one of the reasons why it's our quest to have a very diverse church, to have a church filled with people from all colors and all hues and all nations and nationalities, because that's what makes up the family of God is that diversity, both the Jewish people as well as the Gentiles that have come in. You say, well, how is that so? Well, the children of Israel were made up of people who have heritages from Ethiopia who have heritages from places that we now know as Palestine, heritages of places that are in the uttermost parts because on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell upon those 120 people in that upper room, they were instructed afterwards to go out into all the nations and to preach to all of the people and to bring them into this mystery of Christ that Paul speaks of here in the book of Ephesians. So we learn from the resurrection day or even leading up to resurrection day, all of it's a resurrection day and then the promise being fulfilled on the day of Pentecost that the charge of God's family growing, somebody say God's family grows, was given to everybody. So it wasn't just a group of Jewish people. In fact, that room of 120 had a whole lot of folks in it that looked a lot like us, different and diverse. It wasn't light skin versus dark skin like we have now. In fact, it was such a diverse group of people that people were able to go to their own kindreds and their own cultures and their own nationalities and their own races of people. It's really only one race, but sometimes we people say it's, it's one race called the human race. But they go to their different nationalities or national origins of people and they share the gospel. They share the good news. 
They share the message of Jesus Christ, him dying, being the son of God. Now, ironically, the plan of salvation was unfolded to us through a familiar or a family relationship. John 3.16 tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then God gives his son a bride who is called the church, and she is made up of a diverse group of people that have to be birthed through the process of Christ and his bride coming together. Are you following me so far? So God had family on his mind. Even if we go back as far as Genesis 1 and we talk about in the beginning when God created, God planted man in the Garden of Eden, gave him a wife, and they had children. And so family has always been in God's mind, and family has always been the way by which God communicates his love toward his creation. I mean, think about it. Animals are even born in families. I saw a family of ducks just waddling across the street. I saw a family of deer standing in the middle of the road. You can see a family of geese, that's called a gaggle, you know that, right? A gaggle of geese flying across the sky. So what happens is that when God speaks something into existence, it's perpetual and it's forever. And so he could not divorce himself from us being his family, even though we divorce ourselves from him by being children of disobedience and wrath. Ephesians, the second chapter, tells us that we were once dead in trespasses and sin, even as others, the children of wrath, who operate in the spirit of disobedience. But, but, we are now raised up together to sit with Christ in heavenly places, which means that there's this adoption process taking place all the time. All the time, God is adopting children into his family. Now, they're not leaving his family and coming back, because once you're adopted, you're adopted. Remember when we talked about change, there's a difference between adapting and adopting. Adapting means that you just conform for a moment. And the Bible tells us, don't be conformed to the world, but be ye adopted or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in God's family, the adoption process is common as well. Are you following me so far? So I'm laying the foundation of family. You say, well, what about blended family? Oh, of course it's a blended family. It's a blended family because we, by nature, in generations past, served the gods of this world, but through the transformation process, we are now, even though we were birthed in iniquity, we were shapen in sin, we were conceived in all forms of wickedness, we are now blended into the family of God. So God takes blended families. So this inclusion that the world is talking about right now, including everybody, you know, who wants to do this and who can do that and they can do this and they've completely blurred the lines and they've completely destroyed the infrastructure or the institutionalization of what a family looks like called a family of God. It's our responsibility as the family of God to define what that is. We can't put the weight on a legislator. We cannot expect that someone else will qualify or clarify what a marriage should be or what a family should be. We establish that as the children of God. Are there any children of God in this room? So being the family of God, we have a responsibility of hope, upholding the standard of what the family of God looks like. Let me address another issue so that it will free up some people, too, because you're thinking about your past and you're thinking about the fact that, OK, I was married and I'm divorced and then I'm remarried or I'm in between blessings. However you want to look at it. Let me tell you, God covers all of those things under the blood and his grace restores us. So if any man or woman is in Christ, they become a new creature and old things are passed away and all things have become new. 
And he's not holding anything over your head. The relationships that we have now as born-again believers and as the family of God should be reflective of just that. It is the family of God. So if I'm single, I'm in the family of God. If I'm married, I'm in the family of God. If I was divorced and I am remarried, we are the family of God. And so that liberation helps us to understand that there are no boundaries to God reaching us. God will do whatever is necessary to get to us. He will never change our will, but he will do everything within his power to help us to make the right choices. Even if it means going through the whole course of experiences in our lifetime to be the family of God. I keep coming back to this podium, so let's, let's use this as an imagery. Say this is being lined up as the family of God. Notice that if I drift and I go over on this side, I have all of your attention, and then I'm away from where it is, and so I draw my attention and focus this way, but with me came your focus and your attention. And so if I do the same thing, now your focus and your attention is not there on the podium, it's, it's over here where I am, but I'm attempting to reach out and draw the focus and the attention of this side as well as this side back to being in the family of God. I'm speaking of the fact that we've allowed things to distract us from our true identity. And we think of family as just our four and no more, or those people who came through our bloodline, our birth canal, or per perhaps out of a relationship. And family is much more than that. Family is the same word, we get the root word familiar, and it can be good or bad. Familiar in a sense where we have now used control and witchcraft, of course, is negative. But familiar in that, I know you, we're family. You know me, we're family. I don't owe you anything. You don't owe me anything. I know where you live. I know your ups, your downs, your good side, your bad side. I know that when you're having a great day or not so good day, I know when you're having a bad day. I know when you're acting like a booger, and I know when you're acting like a brother. I know because we're family. I want us to investigate that, dig deep into it, begin to do some individualized study, spend some time, and consider that God is in control of the family. You've been listening to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, log on to our website, gftnc.org, or call us, 616 974-9128. Our mission here at Grace for the Nations Church is to reach the diverse people of the world by teaching biblical principles and life application of the scripture. Despite the present day challenges facing individuals, families, and our communities, we believe there is hope.